Tons of brothers and sisters say, it's great to be sitting next to you today. It's great to be sitting next to you today. Mark doesn't have that luxury. He, oh, Joe saved him. Saved before the joke. Hey, aren't we just thankful to be in God's presence this morning? Isn't it amazing when we gather together and the Holy Spirit just moves? When he just takes control? You know, my prayer every Sunday morning isn't that God will bring more people, but that he'll bring his presence into this place. And I love it when we just sit and stand and sing, holy, holy, holy. I love it. I love it when we just surrender everything and we're there just singing, holy, holy, holy. There's no other word to describe how good and how faithful he is. We're currently journeying our series for the month, which is generosity. But before we do that, does anyone remember our word for 2024? Deeper. Deeper. Amen. Whoever shouted that out, I hear you. I hear you. Deeper 2024. So before we get started, let's just read our verse for the year. That we want to be people who go deeper. We want to be people who are built upon Jesus, his goodness and his faithfulness. So Colossians 2, 6 to 7 says this. Let's read it together. Are we ready? Three, two, one. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, nudge your neighbor and say, come on, louder this time. Louder, say it with purpose. Are we ready? Three, two, yeah, let's stand. Sarah, oh, give Sarah a clap, everyone. She's here this morning. Let's stand together and we're going to say it. Well done for being here this morning, Sarah. Colossians 2, 6 to 7, 3, 2, 1. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Amen. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we can be rooted and built up in you. We want to thank you that you are the solid foundation and we build our lives upon you. Speak to us this morning, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. As we were preparing this series, God put very clearly on my heart one scripture. And again and again and again, I've kept repeating it. And it's a thing that's been resonating on my heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Let me read it again. Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. For God loves a cheerful giver. Let me just give you a little bit of context. The book of Corinthians is written by Paul. It is a series of letters which were written and sent to the Corinthian church. Paul was hearing and seeing of some things going on in the church that he wasn't happy about. So he wrote these letters and he sent them, bringing correction 
bringing understanding to the things that they were doing which was wrong. There was specifically an increase in division between the people. And Paul was writing to bring unity. He was warning against sinful nature. And he encouraged us to bring self-discipline to our lives so that our bodies can be temples where the Holy Spirit dwells. And in amongst these letters that he writes, we find that statement, for God loves a cheerful giver. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul is teaching about the importance of building the kingdom, but not just building the kingdom, giving into the kingdom. And notice he doesn't just say, hey, give. He brings in an emotion with it. For God loves a cheerful giver. It's not just giving, but it's emotionally driven, cheerful giving. Throughout the uh, New Testament, throughout the Bible, specifically in the New Testament, as I've been scrolling through, I found it quite challenging to find anything on tithing. In fact, the Bible says very little about it. Yet, Jesus came and he exampled what giving is really like. That he laid down his life for the sake of the world. He was generous in the way that he came. He was loving in the way that he died. And he did it with emotion to set his people free. In that life-changing moment, When Jesus died on the cross, he changed all law, he changed all obligation, he changed all religion, that giving isn't a necessity, it's a choice. And when we choose to give, it's all about the heart in which we do it. Many of us will know this. John 3.16 said this, For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, me, us, that he gave his only son to die on the cross. Jesus himself exampled, showed, presented generous giving. He died on a cross. He was resurrected for our freedom. He paid the ultimate He died on a cross in pain and agony, defeating the grave, taking sin to the end, declaring it is finished. So how can we be cheerful in the way that we give? How can we be cheerful when we have to lay down our lives for one another? How can we be cheerful when we have to give up money, when we have to give up time, when we have to give up prayer lives? How can we be cheerful in a world that is built on materialistic things where we come into realization that the ultimate price has already been paid? That everything we have is his. All we need is salvation. All we need is freedom. All we need is to be set free. We had a Open Doors prayer night here a couple of weeks ago, and it was an amazing night. And it was amazing specifically to hear how the church is growing in persecuted areas. The church is like wildfire over there. 
And it got me thinking, why is there such supernatural growth in these persecuted areas? Yet here in England, where we have freedom to come into church, where we have freedom to celebrate, where we have freedom to talk about Jesus, why are we not seeing the same supernatural growth? And it got me thinking, they understand the number one most important thing, Jesus first. Whether they get persecuted, whether they get killed, whether they get beaten, mocked, thrown out of the family, they understand the number one most important thing in life is Jesus. Jesus has paid the price and because of that they can live cheerful lives. Because of that, they can live knowing that the price has been paid, that one day that they will be in heaven, where there will be no more pain and sin and hurting and suffering. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And when talking to them, he says this, 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And I want to add two quick points there. Number one, notice Jesus doesn't say to not give. But he says, don't neglect the former without doing the present. Don't forget to give, but do it with reason and purpose. Our hearts should scream praise, thankfulness, adoration to a God who sent his son to pay the ultimate price. And for that reason and that reason alone, we have a reason to be cheerful. The world is broken. The world is hurting. The world is full of sickness and sin and disease, broken-hearted people. But we have a reason to celebrate because for those who love him, we have received freedom. For those who love him, our inheritance is in heaven. Our price has been paid. And one day there will be no more. And we will live in unity with him. I love John 16:33. I speak it over my life all the time. I preach it all the time. And it says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble and don't we know it? But take heart, I have overcome the world. So when Paul challenges us to be cheerful givers, we can take heart in the truth that the price has been paid that the victory is ours. No matter what is going on, no matter what our job promotions look like, no matter what our finances look like, no matter what our busy time schedules look like, take heart, I have overcome the world and that inheritance is ours to receive. There's this beautiful hymn which catches it best. Who knows the song, Be Thou My Vision? And it says, uh, riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, but first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. And I was challenged as I heard this song playing. Because so often we sing the lyrics that come on screen 
but they don't have any meaning or any purpose. And when Paul talks and challenges us about cheerful giving, I believe this verse sums it up beautifully. Riches I need not, materialistic things I don't need, nor man's empty praise. He is my inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only, he's the first in my heart. He's the high king of heaven and he's my treasure. Should we sing it together? And should we sing it with meaning? And should we sing it as a sign of just surrendering everything this morning? That I don't need earthly riches. I don't need to hear my boss say, well done. I don't need my family to understand my beliefs and my heart. I don't need their praise. But what I do need is the high king of heaven, my inheritance. Riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only the first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. Sing it again. I can I need not no man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only the first in my heart. I king of heaven, my treasure. Come on, let's shake off some shackles this morning. Riches I need not, no man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only the first in my heart. I just sing it over you and just reflect as the song and the words are sung have we been pursuing earthly riches and question have we been chasing man's praise instead of God's have we been putting other things to inherit rather than the freedom of Christ have we been putting other things at the altar? Riches I need not, no man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only.
Riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Ye is our inheritance, now and always. The only thing that really matters is the love I have for God, is ensuring that he is at the center, that he is the reason we get up in the morning, that he is the reason that we sing and rejoice and praise, that he is the reason we go to work. With him at the center, our lives will be transformed. With him at the center, we will naturally become cheerful givers, because we stand in the promise of his goodness and his faithfulness. We stand in the promise that the price has already been paid. But if I'm being honest and vulnerable with you this morning, my default is somebody who becomes materialistic. Like many of us, I'm sure, I worry about the clothes I wear, the things I say. I worry about the job I have. I worry about the materials of the world. Yet when I'm busy worrying about those things, my thoughts and my actions become so selfish and so inwardly focused. I find myself getting annoyed in the shops, I'm sure. Please, Jesus, let me not be the only one. I find myself getting annoyed when little old Deidre comes up to me and says, I can't reach the top shelf, can you help me? Well, I'm in the... I'm sure you do. And I'm in the middle of doing something, trying to get something, trying to get out of the shop. I haven't got time to give. I'm too busy. I'm too inwardly, selfishly focused. But I'm tall. And I find myself just doing things that are so selfish and so inward focused that I forget that there's a world that needs Jesus. I'm so busy building my kingdom and my life and the way I look, the way I present myself, that I forget that there's a broken world that we are called to cheerfully give to. I give out of religion. I give out of necessity. I give out of how it looks. Law, religion, obligation. And I find myself with chains wrapped around me. Every time I want to give, I start thinking, oh, I can't really give any more than this because I know that I need to do X, Y, and Z. I can't give any more than I'm giving because I'm going on holiday and I want to have a great time. I can't give any more of my time because I've just got no more time to give. I can't talk to anyone else because you're just too busy taking up all my mind space. Yet Jesus says, lay down your lives for the sake of others. And Paul reminds us to be cheerful givers. And Jesus showed us what cheerful giving looks like when he died on the cross, declaring once and for all, it is finished. A God who gave up his life so that me and you can receive freedom. What? A God who knew how broken we would be. A God who knew that we were sinners, that we wouldn't get it right, that we were imperfect. With so many flaws, so many imperfections, yes, you're all beautiful, but we all have flaws. Yet Jesus came for us, a God 
who sent his one and only son to die on a cross to example what generous giving really looks like. And it challenges me. And let me add this morning, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching. I'm speaking to my own heart. We live in a materialistic world. We live in a world when it flashes, this is what life should look like, and this is what life really looks like. At the moment, I don't know if it's at the moment, I'm getting old, hates it. But on TikTok and Instagram, there used to be like reality versus what you really see, reality checks, all over social media. Reality is, we're all broken. Reality is, the people on the magazines are broken. The people on the news are broken. The millionaires are still broken. Reality is the only way that we can be made whole. The only way that we can be made pure. The only way that we can be like Jesus is accepting him as our Lord and Savior. And for that, we have a reason to be cheerful. For that, we have a reason to celebrate. To give cheerfully. To give without being selfish. To be sacrificial with heart and passion just like Jesus. To live out what Paul writes as being a cheerful giver. I believe that we need to come back to the two greatest commandments. And it's Matthew 27, 32 to 39. They just asked Jesus, Jesus, out of all these laws, out of all these things, what are the two, what is the most important thing that we need to know? And Jesus replied this, number one, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your minds. Be thou my inheritance, now and always. Be thou and thou only the first in my heart. And carrying on, verse 38. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, notice he has to add a second. They must be mutual, they must be equal. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We have a reason to be cheerful when we love God. We have a reason to be cheerful when we accept the inheritance. And now we have a reason to give, to love your neighbor as yourself. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to know what it looks like to give. I want the people around me to see Jesus in the way that I live. So love your neighbor as yourself. Number one, love your God. Love the Lord your God. We put God first. We love him with all we have. We put Jesus in his rightful place at the center of it all. Everything we have is his. And we're blessed to be a blessing. I love Jeff. Every Sunday when he's at the door, he always, someone's leaving the door, and he'll always say, you're blessed to be a blessing. Go and be a blessing. And you know it's right? We are blessed to be a blessing. What's that scripture says? If you have two coats, give one of them up. We are blessed so that we can bless our neighbors. We are blessed so that we can love our neighbors, so we can present the good news of Jesus, not just verbally, but practically. Because love without action is dead. No matter how good or how bad things may be in our lives, we have a reason to be cheerful. We have a reason to celebrate. We're called to put God first above all worries about our concerns, about jobs, 
promotions, finances, because he is the way maker, the ultimate provider, and he promises to never leave us nor forsake us. His promises are yes and amen. He is Jireh. Be thou and thou only the first in my heart. O high king of heaven, my treasure thou art. And secondly, we give cheerfully, but we give to love our neighbor as ourselves. Whether that be time, whether that be a smiley face, whether that be mowing someone's lawn, whether that be helping Deirdre get the top shelf, whether that be giving financially, supporting charities, we give to love. We give because Jesus first loved us. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. We're called to lay down our lives, to lay everything down for our friends. We give to advance the kingdom to fulfill the mission we have been given, to go and make disciples of all nations. We give up our time on rotors to advance the kingdom. We may want to be on the hot summer's beach, but when that rotor reminder comes through and we're here in sunny Yeovil instead, we give because we're advancing the kingdom. We give our finances. We may want to go on lavish holidays and we may want to do all of these things, but we give into the storehouse so that we can advance the kingdom of God together, believing that one day we will all be in paradise. One day we will all be with Jesus in the most beautiful, surreal place like nothing we have ever seen before, without fault, without any brokenness, without any hurt without any guilt for even going on these holidays in the first place. Does anyone find that? You go on these lavish holidays and then you feel guilty. For, no, just me. Just me. We give to advance the kingdom. For God loves a cheerful giver. Bands, do you mind coming back up? And let me just read these lyrics over to you once more. Riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Be thou mine inheritance, now and always. Be thou and thou only the first in my heart. O high king of heaven, my treasure thou art. We have a reason to be cheerful when Jesus is at the center. We have a reason to celebrate and rejoice when we understand that freedom and salvation is ours. And we have a reason to give when we look out and see how broken the world is. And we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. So this morning, we're going to take communion together. And as we take communion together this morning, there's a few things I want to do before we get to that point. This morning, we've talked, or I've spoken all about the heart, the cheerful giving, the generous giver, the lover. And when we come to communion this morning, we come to a place where we remember the price that Jesus pays. It wasn't easy. It wasn't without pain. Yet he did it to purchase us. 
to take all our sin and shame and brokenness away. You see, later in Paul's letters into the Corinthian church, he writes this, 1 Corinthians 11.29. And he's writing regarding the Lord's Supper and how we partake in that together. And he talks about letting it not just be a religious act, but one with heart and authenticity. 11.29 says this, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So this morning, can we just close our eyes and bow our heads? And let's just examine our hearts. When we take communion, we should come with authenticity. We should come with thankfulness. We should come cheerfully because this is the sign that we have been made new. That as Jesus died and he rose again, he defeated the grave. He gave up his bread, his body and blood for us. So Jesus, right now, as we examine our hearts, Holy Spirit, just come and convict us of things that we need to lay down. Holy Spirit, just come and do a work in our hearts. As we come round the table shortly, if there's anything which is preventing us from being authentic believers, lovers, pursuers of you, just highlight it right now. And this is between you and God and the Holy Spirit working in your life. If there's something that you're being convicted of right now, just lay it down. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to stand up or raise your hand. But right now, if you're being convicted, just lay it at the feet of Jesus. This is what he died for, to set you free.